Would you pray with me? Thank you, God, that you are all those things, Lord. Hope for the hopeless. And Lord, sometimes um, just part of the human condition is that we feel lost and forlorn sometimes in this world. Um, I think especially during the pandemic, this became so apparent to so many of us. And um, it kind of exacerbated something that's always in the deepest part of our heart, feeling this longing to go homeward, a place, feeling like we've come from a place that's perfect, and here we are in this broken world, and we long for that perfection again, a place where there's no more pain and sorrow, a place where hope abounds. And yet, Lord, we live feeling like exiles in this world. And so, Lord, help us to find hope in Christ today, that we can trust that he is leading us homeward. And to that end, Lord, I pray that you would pour upon me the gift of preaching, that my very frail and broken and human words might, by the power of your Holy Spirit, become your living word, uniquely crafted for each and every one of our hearts. We pray it with great confidence, for we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, today we're starting a five-week series based on Susan Cain's latest best-selling book called Bittersweet. This is one of the books I studied while I was on sabbatical, and it had a powerful impact on me, and I'm hopeful that the same will be true for you, that as I begin to unpack some of the ideas um, in the book, that you'll see how God uses the bittersweet in our life for good. Um, If you're interested in the book, it's it's available everywhere. Um, You feel free to grab a copy if you would like. You don't need to for the series, but you can. Susan starts the book with a question about why she is so drawn to sad songs. Do you remember the Elton John song from the 80s? Turn them on, turn them on, turn on those sad songs. When all hope is gone, you know sad songs say so much. Do you remember? It was a huge hit, and it's really a counterintuitive song, because that's not what we often think about sad songs. I mean, that is the question. Do sad songs say so much? In Bittersweet, Susan writes, people play the happy songs on their playlist about 175 times on average, but they play the sad songs almost 800 times. And Susan, as she dug into this sad song question, here's what she discovered. It's hard to put into words what I experience when I hear this kind of music. It's technically sad, but what I feel really is love. A great tidal outpouring of it. I feel a kind of communion with all the other people in the world who know the sorrow that the music is expressing. And that we're all in it together. I'm in awe at the musician's ability to transform pain into beauty. And the fact that the sorrow has now been transformed into something beautiful is like, I really can't describe it as anything other than sacred. Cain notes that researchers have found the same to be true. People associate sad music with profound beauty, deep connection, transcendence, nostalgia, and common humanity. At first, this seems kind of counterintuitive. 
So how do you feel about sad songs? Have you thought about it before? Are you drawn to them? Do you sense a profound beauty and communion with other people knowing that they understand the sorrow you're experiencing? As I've thought this through, I found it to be true for my life. I hadn't really thought about it before. I did remember and feel that I'm drawn to certain sad songs. Even songs that I know are going to make me emotional, right? Sometimes I want to be emotional. Sometimes I listen to that song to evoke emotion within me because I'm trying to get in touch with whatever that sad part of me is deep down inside. Susan's wonderment at the power of sad songs leads her on a journey to discover the bitter sweetness, as she terms it, intrinsic to our lives. Here's how Susan describes bitter sweetness. It's the recognition that light and dark and joy and sorrow are always going to coexist. And that's what life is. And it's an awareness of passing time and an awareness of the impermanence of life. But it's also a kind of piercing joy at how incredibly gorgeous and beautiful life is. So it's this both and. And in our culture, our culture and our society are not very good at the bittersweet. We tend in cultural terms to push away the sadness and only want the joy. And what she's saying is, is when you do that, we cause trouble for ourselves and others. It actually creates mental issues within us, right? Uh, when we don't handle our pain well, when we kind of listen to society. And so she's encouraging us to have a counterintuitive response, just like the response we have that draws us to sad songs. Susan says it's the reality of the coexisting of light and dark and joy and sorrow that cause sad music to often give us a sense of homesickness. This is what I was talking about at the very beginning. When we feel or listen to a sad song, we long for that connection, right? And, and a lot of times it also has this otherworldly impact. That we feel like we're, we're longing for home, for a home where there is no more sorrow or no more pain. Um, and so Cain says the song only gives us this feeling for a moment, but we want to live there for good. Right? That's, that's part of what's built into us. Of course, this will, take, will make total sense to Christians, right? We believe a new heaven and a new earth awaits us. That's the promise of Scripture. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more tears. Yet, Cain writes, in the meantime, while we live here, while we're waiting to return home, our broken hearts that have resulted from this exile connect us to one another and to this other world. It's our broken hearts that connect us to this other world and to each other. And that, in and of itself, is a beautiful part of life. What I found as I began to read this book was that it made sense to me and it helped me kind of open myself up to more vulnerability around these issues because it feels vulnerable, doesn't it? To open ourselves up to bittersweetness, to the sad parts. Um, but to see that together, the sadness and the joy, when we begin to lean into all of it, that it actually can help us. It actually can help us live a fuller life, but more, and we're going to see this, 
Help us share with others as we turn our pain into beauty. So Susan describes this process this way. She says, we are creatures who were born to transform pain into beauty. That is something we have the ability to do because one thing is certain. We are all going to experience pain at some point. Probably we all have already. Like some kind of profound pain. And there's two things we can do with it. One thing is to not really acknowledge it. And then we end up consciously or unconsciously taking it out on other people. Through abuse or passive aggression or whatever it is for us. And then the other thing that we can do is accept that the pain is part of life too. And we can, and we can, and what we can do to transform it into something else, into some kind of healing state. Maybe for other people who've experienced the same kind of pain that we have. Maybe into some kind of creative expression. But somehow, somehow, to turn it into beauty. And I think, right, it's this, it's this engagement with the hope that pain can be turned into something beautiful, like a good sad song, that is giving us the purpose in life. It gives us this meaning that oftentimes in the face of grief or sadness or pain or sorrow, we're missing, right? We're just sort of living with it instead of transforming it. And so really, this is where the rubber meets the road. What are we doing with our pain and our sorrow and our grief? Are we turning it into something beautiful or are we stuffing it in such a way that it comes out sideways later? One reason Susan loves sad songs is a good sad song is all about what bittersweetness can produce. Someone else has done their work of turning their sadness into beauty and we are benefiting from it. For us, from Scripture, we know that God's will for us would be to transform our pain into beauty. That, that is the kind of the heart of the whole uh, Scripture and Christian story. For isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus' whole life is a living example of transforming pain and sorrow into something beautiful. And we, and we sing sad songs about his sacrifice, don't we? I mean, the reflective song we sang today in Christ alone, right? As we're thinking about what Christ did for us. Um, the song above all I was thinking about. Like a rose trampled to the ground, he took the fall and thought of me above all, right? We have even sad songs about this pain and sorrow that Jesus took on for our sake. And so in today's passage from Romans, we're reminded how Jesus was willing to go through the awful pain of death on a cross to create something beautiful, our redemption. Paul says this redemption brought us peace with God, that it put us into a a state of grace with God, that God's grace is now fully active in our life, and so that's beautiful. But more, Paul writes... We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And what is confident hope of salvation? Well, that's that we're going home. 
That's that we're homeward bound, that there is a place where all of our longings will be satiated and met. So Paul is saying, because of God's ever-present love in us, for us, in Jesus, even our pain and our sorrow, our problems and our trials, ultimately leave us hopeful. Just as Jesus had problems and trials that God transformed into something beautiful, God intends the same for us. In short, this is what I'm trying to convey in this sermon series. That God's purpose and calling for Jesus' followers is to embrace the bittersweet nature of life, the trials of which Paul speaks, that we may transform our pain into beauty and bless the world. By allowing our broken hearts that have resulted from this exile to connect us to one another. To come alongside one another in such a way that, like sad songs, our experience with pain and sorrow brings healing and beauty to others in their pain and sorrow. When you think about that process, isn't that the kingdom of God? I mean, isn't that what the kingdom of God is? Is that it's bringing this wholeness, this beauty, even in the midst of brokenness? That we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all together. Even when we're the saddest or at our worst, that even then beauty can be produced and that beauty can be shared with others, that healing can be shared with others, and that that creates a connection and a community that is beautiful, right, and healing for the world. I've been working on embracing the bittersweet in my own life for the past few months, um, and I've discovered that what Susan is proposing is becoming true for me. This has especially been true since my father's passing. I read this book over the summer before dad died in October, and so I was already working on this, and then all of a sudden, right here, Right There's this pain and sorrow and grief that has been thrust upon me. And I was so grateful that I'd read the book because I had some tools that I wouldn't have just had in my belt otherwise. And I began, instead of avoiding that pain, suffering, and sorrow, I began to really try to face it. And as I faced it, um, I found that I've been able to engage it with more hope instead of being so scared of it. Right? Sometimes we're scared of pain and sorrow and grief. But instead, I found that it transforms within me as I look at it, as I face it head on, and that I'm finding ways to turn that pain and sorrow into something beautiful in my life. I hope the same will be true for you. Um, so we're going to, um, in our response to God as we sing today, we're going to incorporate this longing for home. I, I just felt... That that, for us to kind of acknowledge that longing and, you know, to say, can we say honestly to God with our whole heart today, when I need to get home, you're my guiding light. Like, to trust God, that God has us, not only in this exilic period where we are not feeling like we're home, but also ultimately we're going home, right? That we're going to be home. We're going to be in that place that our hearts long to be. I'm going to connect it with another song that a lot of you will know um, called Build My Life. And um, so we'll um, start off, and I think you'll recognize the, the first 
um, the part of Build My Life, and we're going to sing that. And then we'll have the chorus in the middle of guiding us home. Yeah. 
truth, that you are worthy of every breath, of every praise, because when we need to get home, you're our guiding light each and every day. You're the one, Lord, who shows us how to turn pain and sorrow into beauty. Lord, you did it for us, and you've showed us how. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to embrace Sweden. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.